1: Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento B. He was out at training camp on Monday. The pads are on. The pads are popping, as the youths say. And Chris, Chris, when we were setting up our when we were setting up our our recording time for today, just sent me I have takes. So I can't wait to hear them. Let's dive in.
2: This
0: is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle
2: is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa's got him and a second back inside the
1: 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. You Texted me today. The three most wonderful words in podcasting. I have takes you were out of practice on a rainy day in Santa Clara. No real news. The devo contract became official. He signed that deal and was was out on the practice field. But I guess I'm what what we'll do here is I'm just gonna let you run down your list of takes start with one and then we'll discuss and then we'll move on to the next one.
3: Okay. The first, the first take I have from being around this team and I was around it. I went to, in you know, all the spring availabilities. Um, this is my first practice. I didn't go last week when, um, before the pads came on. I, I only go when the pads come on, Kyle, um, but, no, I'm just <laughs> but, but um, the vibes are good. Like, the vibes are good and this team has super high expectations and like they are openly talking about championship or bust mindset like and it's you know that that might be cliche and it might be um, something you could sort of roll your eyes at early on in training camp but this isn't something that always happens right like not every team if you go listen to the way they talk or just observe how the intensity that they practice with, and just look at how many high level players they have at a lot of different positions, can say, Yeah, like our goal is to win a Super Bowl, and everything we're doing right now is to attain that goal. And I just think the vibes are really good. And overall, what really stands out to me, just between the lines on the Uh, at practice is just how good the defense is or at least the potential for the defense um i think this defense after seeing it in person and and asking around a little bit like i don't know that it's going to be good as as good as it was in 2019 but i think it has a potential to be close or at least have that ceiling and if Nick Bosa is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, which I think he will be if he stays healthy, if Eric Armstead continues what he did in the second half and the playoffs last year, um, I think you could say something similar with Samson Ebukam. The way the secondary is playing in conjunction with the pass rush, of course, under the caveat that the pass rush is always going to beat the offensive line early on in training camp, even with the pads on. Particularly when so many guys are getting rotated in and out of the lineup along that offensive line, mm-hmm. but it was like Trey Lance would take the snap, hit the top of his drop, make a couple reads, and there would be nothing there, and by the time he would take a step to try to reset the play and maybe reestablish um a, a new throwing a new throwing point, like he would be sacked. Right. And it's just like what they're doing that you can see on the practice field, which is unique. And I asked Samson Nebuchadnezzar about this after practice and he, and he confirmed it like the the pass rush and the and the coverage in the secondary is tied together very well. Mm-hmm. And that's like that. That's a very good sign for this portion of the season, because, you know, you talk to football people and they always talk about having pass rush and coverage on a string. And one thing Ebukam said in in his answer to my question was like, yeah, we just told the defense, you know, like last year or the secondary, we're like, if we can just force a quarterback to take one more pump before he gets rid of the ball, that would do wonders for what the pass rush could be. Right. Mm -hmm. And with Charverius Ward playing at a super high level and looking like one of the best players on the field with Emmanuel Mosley playing well, um, we know what Jimmy Ward is. We think Talanoa Hufanga might, might be a pretty good player, and if not, I think you and I both believe Tarverius Moore could potentially be a a good enough strong safety. I just think the ceiling for this defense is super high, and if you look at the way the 49ers have been able to run the ball since Kyle Shanahan has been there, um, if you look at the just the skill position, guys, and Debo Samuel coming back, and we hit on it on in the pod last night, like, this is... I think Kyle Shanahan's correct when he says he's super excited about the team and it might be the most talented team that he's had since he's been here. Um, And obviously the big question mark is going to be what you get from Trey Lance, but I'm expecting this, this team to be carried by the defense. I think this Mm. is going to, the defense is going to carry the water for the team and the Niners aren't going to need Trey Lance to put up 35 points a game on offense. So, You know, like, and I know I've said it before, but like I think Trey Lance is probably gonna average 20 to 25 pass attempts a game. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of those throws are gonna be easy throws that are schemed open. And I think Kyle Shanahan's gonna be putting the skill position guys like Debo Samuel in position to get yards after the catch. I think George Kittle is <laughs> I feel bad for Tavarius Moore because I went and watched the the one on one drills between um, the safeties and the tight ends, mm-hmm. and George Kittle would just like Tavarius Moore would have really good coverage. Like he would be physically in the right spot, have a be in good position to to contest the catch and get even get his hand on the ball, and George Kittle would just get excellent position and just body him and make the catch through contact. Like even with Even with more chopping down in his arms as he Mm -hmm. caught it. And he had two plays like that in individual one on one drills. And then he, in the red zone period, he made another contested catch along the right, near the right pylon, where it was like the coverage was good, but his hands are like just look really strong. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we we had talked about earlier in George Kittle's career, like, you know, he's really good at yards after the catch. Like Kyle Shanahan was excellent at getting him open in space in 2018 when he had all those long receiving touchdowns but there are questions like you know is George Kittle like a really good target to have in short court in like short quarters like is is he gonna be a contested catch guy he looks like the best contested catch guy on the team right now or at least that take number two (laughs) potentially but uh, I just think like all the ingredients are there maybe with the exception of feeling comfortable in Trey Lance because it's his first year starting like all the ingredients are there to for this team to potentially go on a
1: run. The, the thing that to stick specifically with the defense right now, since that's take number one, I'm committed to not bowling through takes. I want to hear all of these. Okay. So, so I think the big thing when, when we talk about the defense and marrying the coverage and the, and the pass rush, I think they need to translate that into takeaways. Yeah, It feels like it has been, I guess, I guess the 2011 year, they had a, they had a ton of takeaways in, in Jim Harbaugh's first year, but it feels like since then, they haven't had one of those years where it's just like, not necessarily to a game, but just feels like, Hey, you know, this defense is coming up with a takeaway once or twice a game. And can the offense capitalize? That's the thing I'm most interested to see. If Traverius Ward is going to play at this level and Emmanuel Mosley, who I think is a really good number two corner, is is lined up on the other side, it feels like that's a secondary with Jimmy Ward and either Traverius or Talano, Hufanga. That's like a secondary that should generate more takeaways than their secondary has over the last decade.
3: Right. And if you get takeaways, you know, it. like if you get a few pick sixes a season, a fumble six, right? Mm-hmm. Like those, those swing games, obviously, right? Yeah. If you get a, a take a, a takeaway deep in an opponent's territory and you don't even need to get a first down to get a field goal, right? Like those are, those are huge swings in games. And I think the 49ers are going to be in position to get a lot of takeaways this year. I think one, and and I guess sort of piggybacking off the defense might be elite take is, like I'm not so worried about Trey Lance and what he does against this defense and training camp practices. Like, yeah, it could definitely be a lot better, but the circumstances are nothing like what they're going to be in games, right? Like Debo Samuel took like two or three reps today with the ones, right? And I think both mm-hmm. of his catches came from Nate Sudfield. right? Like Austin Mack is getting a lot of burn with the first team because when they, when the Niners practice, for whatever reason, the receivers are just always rotating, and there isn't necessarily the same group of like ones and twos with receivers as there are like the offensive line. Like the offensive line, it's pretty clear who like the first team offensive line is and who the second team offensive line is because you know which group is going with which quarterback. But the the, the receivers are always churning over and rotating, so it's like he's not very often playing with guys he's going to be playing with when the regular season starts on Sunday and in Trey Lance I mean the -hmm. offensive line is still they're still playing musical chairs Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey are still not getting all of the reps right so I think what's more important for Trey Lance is just how he responds and how his teammates view the way he's practicing and whether or not he's still exuding confidence whether or not his body language is good um, whether or not you know, he's, he's being resilient. And so it's just like, to me, I think that stuff is okay. Obviously interceptions are bad. He had one when he tried to extend a play today um, and tried to th- hit uh Kyle use over the middle and Traverius Ward picked it off. But it was just like every single play, every single pass play train Lance felt like he was under siege and like his first two reads were taken away. And by the time he tried to get to his third, he was already having to evade the pass rush. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just because the pass rush is typically way ahead of the offensive line at this point in training camp. But I think this is all good for Trey Lance to go through. Like, if the best defense he goes against all season or one of the best defenses he goes against all season is the one he had in training camp, those are very, very valuable reps. And there's no Mm -hmm. game planning, right? They're, They're like, one thing that's different with training camp situations and game situations in game situations Kyle Shanahan is stringing plays together right he's dialing up plays because okay this is going to work and because that works then this next play is going to work and then in the third quarter we're going to give him the same look but we're going to do this third iteration of the play because that I'll set that up like in Niners practices most often it's like all right this is a run situation this is a run this is a run period this is a second down period this is a third down period so there isn't like the sequencing of plays that happen throughout a drive or throughout a game that set things up and also Mm -hmm. the the game planning is like completely different because they're just installing the offense versus you know picking 60 plays that they're going to run any given week Mm -hmm. um, based on the opponent and personnel packages and all those things so like I understand reading into practice reports and seeing that, oh, Trey Lance is completing 50% of his passes and he threw a couple more interceptions and blah, blah, blah. Like, I get that. You ideally would want Trey Lance to carve up the defense. But for me, like, after watching them at practice, it's very clear this defense is good. And I would be almost more concerned about this football team overall if Trey Lance were carving up the defense in practice. (laughs) Sure. <laughs> so the fact that the defense looks like it it has potential to be a top five unit in the league, I think is super promising. And ultimately, as long as Trey Lance's body language is good, as long as his teammates are responding to him, as long as Kyle Shanahan isn't like ripping his hair out on the practice field. And it doesn't seem like Shanahan, like Shanahan seems pretty at ease with mm-hmm. Trey Lance's training camp right now. And ultimately, that's the biggest barometer because if Trey Lance were really struggling, I think we would know it. And I think it would kind of show on Kyle Shanahan's face. And we're not seeing any level of anxiety like that from Shanahan to this point. And maybe that changes. And maybe he'll, he's just like this because it's training camp and he knows that, um, you know, how he, how he feels emotionally isn't, might not necessarily be healthy um, because this is a very early portion of a long season. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that overall, like seeing that, like you got the vibes a little bit in the off season, but I think now that they are practicing um, and you're seeing it out there on the field, like the energy is good. And this just the, the team, the roster feels super deep in terms of like, you know, all the starting spots, like they feel super solid at a lot of spots. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, they they could be one of the better teams in the NFC. I mean, it's a team that's coming off the NFC Championship game that I think is going to be better this season.
1: That's interesting. And it's sort of why they picked Trey Lance. Because the floor was lower, but the ceiling was a lot higher than it was with Mac Jones or Justin Fields or... Help me out. Was that it? Mac Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones. Justin Fields, yeah. OK, so then it was the Mac Jones or Justin Fields. Kirk and Evans. that's it. That's the name I was looking for.
3: <laughs> Brian Hoyer.
1: Kirk Kirksey, who got extended again this offseason, which is just continually insane. Doesn't matter. Anyways, so. They took Lance knowing that. He was going to need some development and that. The ceiling that he can reach, he probably wasn't going to scratch in 20. They certainly didn't think he was going to get there in 2021. 2022 that's yeah. not the expectation either, but they still took him knowing that, like, this is going to be a good enough roster, it's going to be a good enough team that they can still theoretically be in that Super Bowl conversation, even if Trey Lance. Has makes the rookie mistakes and has some of the growing pains that he's going to go through as a relatively inexperienced quarterback going back to his days in college. Like he started 17 college games, right? And he's started two NFL games. Like there's he just hasn't played a lot of football and thrown a lot of passes. So there was going to need to be some level of support for him with a supporting cast. And I think that that's why the Niners felt good about taking him and betting on his ceiling because, hey, They can win games even if he turns it over three times in a game or misses a couple throws in the red zone or whatever it is. They can afford to be patient with his development on the field because they can thread the needle in theory. They can thread the needle between him developing while playing and also winning games because of all the things you just mentioned, specifically with how good their defense is.
3: Yeah. And I think like if you look around the NFC a little bit too, it's a down, it's a relatively down year potentially, right? Like we don't know if anybody in the NFC East is actually good. We don't know if anybody in the North outside of the Packers is going to be good. And we don't know if anybody in the South outside of the Bucks is going to be, are going to be good. And we know the Rams are defending Super Bowl champs, obviously going to be very good. We have no idea about the Cardinals and we're obviously not super optimistic about the Seahawks. So, like, just purely on paper and based on the fact that the 49ers have gone to at least the NFC title game over the, in two of the last three years, like, I just think this is a roster that is built, uh, that is built to insulate a first-time starting quarterback. And I think everybody understands that while also having the expectation of, all right, we should be better than last year. And if we just have a few different things go our way and we get a little bit better quarterback play and maybe don't turn the ball over as much, like maybe they do have a Super Bowl ceiling. I don't I don't know that. And like I would be pretty stunned, honestly, if Trey Lance was able to go to the Super Bowl in his first season starting. But I think it that, would be like, shocking. If you put but if you put their roster one through fifty three uh, I think you could put it up against anybody else in the league. I and agree. Like, and and so, you know, a, NFC particularly. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say I think they're better than Buffalo or Kansas City, or hell, even San Diego who has or San Diego the Chargers who have a loaded roster.
1: But right? you don't, like, but you, the reason the reason you don't say they're better is because of the quarterback, right? If Trey Lance is really good, everybody's gonna go, wow, this Niners roster is loaded. When I think I think PFF did a thing that that had the Niners roster ranked like 16th or 18th or something in the league right now. And that's that's nuts to me. They're they're really, really good. They just got to figure out what's happening under center.
3: Yeah, I mean, so much of it is is about the system, too, right? It's about the system. It's about the stability. Like Kyle Shanahan's entering his sixth season. Like all of a sudden, Kyle Shanahan is one of the most tenured coaches in in the NFC, right? right so that that matters for something particularly with a group and like look Mm -hmm. even beyond this season like even if trey lance isn't good enough to get them to a super bowl this season and who knows if he's ever going to be that good but in terms of a situation a quarterback's going into these are all guys under long-term contracts who are like pro bowlers or dudes as we would say right
1: dudes for sure
3: George Kittle,
1: a lot of dudes,
3: Debo Samuel, uh, Fred Warner, Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, and you're eventually going to have Nick Bosa probably next year, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a very, they're like a lot of, Tarverius Ward, there are a lot of really good players potentially at important positions who are in the prime of their careers who are assigned for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So,
3: so, like, who are coming new-
1: off of who are coming off of a gut wrenching NFC championship game of loss.
0: Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. member FDSE.
3: Yeah, and I think there's an element of like, all right. I just get the feeling that there's that that they feel, there's a feeling like, all right, it's our time now. Yes. You know, that's just the like the vibe I get. And I don't know if that's worth anything, but like this is a different to me, it's a different feeling training camp than the 49ers have had recently.
1: And I I think one of the things that when you start projecting that that we can't overlook is we talked about this. We did a podcast about it. How much, how how much better Lance looked in his week seventeen start versus week five start? It still wasn't great in week seventeen. Like it wasn't like oh my god, start him and they win the Super Bowl. But you saw tangible improvement, and within those games, you saw a tangible improvement as the game went on. So one of the things when it comes to projecting the 49ers and you talk about how good their defense is and how good their roster is, I think what you have to add to that is what matters is not is certainly not what Trey Lance looks like in training camp. It's not going to matter what he looks like in the preseason. It's not even going to matter what he looks like week 1 in in Chicago. But if they are if they are 5 and 3 going into the bye week, carried mostly by their defense but you see Lance getting better like the 49ers Super Bowl conversation I think will change a lot throughout this season based on how Lance develops because when you watch him right now and you consider week one is September 11th so about a month and a half away what he looks like in in that game is not going to be what he looks like by week 18. And that amount of, of, of growth, can they be good enough early? And it sounds like you think they can. Can they be good enough early that they can kind of keep afloat and in the hunt while he figures it out? And then by week 18, is he capable of kind of putting the team on his back and being a Super Bowl caliber quarterback?
3: Yeah. I think I think that's well put. I think I think you're right on the money when like the roster can get the team to the playoffs and then how good Trey is in the playoffs will determine how far they go in the playoffs. Yes. Like I think yeah. like that's because you can win in today's NFL in particular. Like we we you know like a decade ago you know or even Not more recently than that, but like even when the Ravens beat the Niners in the Super Bowl, they won basically on the strength of their defense, the strength of their roster. Yeah, Joe Flacco got hot, but it never felt like they had one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? The Eagles, a few years later, what, 2016 Mm -hmm. won with Nick Foles, their backup quarterback, winning the Super Bowl over Tom Brady because they had such a deep roster. But now you're in a league where You know, you have to beat Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the NFC. But now in the AFC, it's like. It's just a gauntlet of star quarterbacks, and I think that's why Kyle Shanahan shifted his thinking away from like, oh, maybe I could win with Kirk Cousins to where, oh, maybe I need to go draft a guy who could potentially be a top five guy because you have to compete with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson and. Uh, Justin Herbert and like so the the quarterback play has been elevated by a lot of these young guys in the league that can make plays outside of structure that you just don't have the same margin for error when you have somebody like Kirk Cousins who needs everything around him to go well in order for that team to win which is I think the same case for Jimmy Garoppolo but the the bigger issue with Jimmy Garoppolo is just availability right given given all the injury concerns so yeah, like I just I just think this team has a ton of potential, both short and long term. And um, and it will ultimately be dependent on Trey, like how far they go if they do make the playoffs. But I just think the roster is in a perfect spot to absorb a young quarterback because they're going to be able to play so so well defensively. And because the running game could potentially be one of the better units in the league also.
1: Did you have any other takes?
3: Um, I thought Talanoa Hufanga was, was was better than I was expecting. Um, he was really good in coverage. He had one um, dropped interception in like a one-on-ones, but then he went back and made another interception later and kind of made up for it, which I thought um, was impressive. Um, again, like I don't want to read too much into the offensive line stuff yet, but I do think the center situation is is pretty clearly the most problematic spot on the roster. Hmm. um and it was mostly jake Brendel today i know daniel brunskill has gotten gotten some work there and i don't know that daniel brunskill is super good at just snapping the ball
1: <laughs> yeah
3: like in shotgun i like...
1: i will uh, here i will never forget the falcons game i said i would never forget and then i forgot i'm <laughs> um, the thing that i'm won't forget is not necessarily who they're playing I think it was the Falcons game though (laughs) when it was a game that Jake Brendel was playing center and you could like tell that the 49ers offense was not right because the snaps were low or they were slow or they were a little bit high or off target one way or the other and you could you could see that it was throwing off what the Niners were trying to do offensively
3: do you remember when Joe Staley said like he was on this pod he was talking about what it's like to be a lineman for Kyle Shanahan and he was like well you have to get off the ball really quickly and get to your angles mm-hmm. um, as fast as possible and get to your leverage points and like all of that is screwed up if there's a bad snap and the The handoff doesn't go as quickly as it needs to for the right Mm -hmm. hole to open up. Um, Like it is all predicated on timing. Like that's a super important part of the offense and like cadence and snapping the ball and just the the exchange between the quarterback and the running backs. Like those are all timing based mechanisms, and the snaps have to be good. Just point blank period. Like the snaps have to be good for all that stuff to work as efficiently as Kyle Shanahan wants it to. And I just don't know that that they have that with brunskill maybe they do with Brendel, but um that i mean for a roster that's really loaded i think that's clearly a spot that might be concerning but i'm also wondering like is it just going to be something that they can scheme around because we've seen kyle shanahan scheme around all sorts of different issues before and is he going into it like yeah we would ideally like to have guards who are nine out of tens but our guards are six and sixes and sevens out of ten but we can still make that work because right. we're not going to be, you know, running behind Aaron Banks or, you know, running too many plays like up the A gap,
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you know, uh, I who knows? But like, I, I just if there's an area of concern, I think it's center. And I think we knew that coming in. And I think that
1: was pretty apparent. The fact that they skipped Brunskill at right guard altogether and just immediately put him rotating in its center, that was a pretty bad sign especially considering Jake Brendel was supposed to be like the front runner, Chris Forster's guy, super athletic and was supposed to just step in and kind of be the starter. The fact that there was immediate competition there is not a great sign. Yeah.
3: I do wonder if they're going to end up making a move there and who knows? I mean, again, it's early and like the offensive line has a very distinct disadvantage early on in training camp. Mm -hmm. Um. Particularly like the Niners defensive line also is really good. Like Komoko Torre is a pass rushing like a probably a starting pass rusher just from a pure talent perspective and just the way that he looks. He looks like a starting defensive end and he's going to be like the Niners second string guy mm-hmm. like between Komoko Torre and Drake Jackson potentially and Samson Abukam like they're, they just have a lot of guys on the edge like Nick Bosa.
1: No, yeah
3: well yeah nick bosa obviously but like they have a lot of guys on the edge like they're going to yeah. be able to rush the passer and i think that's just going to be such an equalizer in every game that they're in um robert kim dj our guy um one of the most uniquely built physical athletes i've ever seen in person
1: is robert kim dj on track to be this year's Demontre moore I have no idea maybe but
3: (laughs) I mean he's he had he seems like he has a super unique personality and uh, I guess that's one that like that's the kindest most reasonable way I could frame it without ever talking to him but like he's like the thinnest thick dude I've ever seen like he's it's hard to explain his legs look like tree trunks but he's he also just looks super agile like he's a monstrous dude who doesn't have like a midsection that's proportional to like a big monstrous like 300 pound dude if that makes sense
1: he's one of the he's one of the he's one of the people deon jordan's like this too where you you see their measurements and you see what they look like in a football uniform and you see how they move And then it's like, how are you not good at this? Like, how are you not? I shouldn't say good because in the NFL, every NFL player is good. How are you not among the greatest players at this sport? And it puts into perspective, like how good NFL athletes are. They're all big. They're all fast. And even if you look the part, it doesn't matter because everybody's big and fast. Yeah. He's just like, not had he was a first round pick for a reason, and he's just not put together a great career. Yeah, I, I'm just talking
3: about I have no idea if he's gonna be good, but just he looks like
1: not promising to start his career.
3: Yeah, he just he looks like a superhero. <laughs> like he, right. He's and I just pulled up his mock draftables page.
1: Oh, of course you did. It's uh it's Taylor Mays esque, man. There was a there, dude. I'm tell I'm gonna I'm gonna find it on YouTube. And I'm gonna post it. Sports Science did a whole thing about Robert Kim DJ when he got drafted and how much power he generates when he comes out of his stance. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's 90 yeah. 95th
3: percentile broad jump, 97th percentile vertical jump, 92nd percentile 40 yard dash. Uh 89th percentile 10 yard split like the guy really is just a freak athlete and he looks like it and i have no idea if it's going to translate into like anything productive but like you think about the reclamation projects that the 49ers have had in recent seasons and some of the numbers that they've gotten from just the most random dudes like would it be crazy if DJ was their backup defensive tackle and like part of the rotation Working with no. Javon Kinlaw and then like, yeah, I mean, Kinlaw wasn't they've, out there.
1: They've, they've reached a point where I know they're not 100% hit rate on those guys, but they've reached a point that any defensive lineman they sign, I'm like, sure. Yeah. Like, him it, becoming like it, a rotational player is not out of the question.
3: Yeah, it might work. Yeah, it might work. Um, the one thing I was a little disappointed about was that um, Javon Kinlaw wasn't practicing today and it was just... It, it, the team said it was a routine maintenance day so they had the day off sunday and then they gave him the day off today to give him two in a row so i haven't got i haven't gotten to see him practice yet because he didn't practice in the spring either um so i do want to see what what javon kinlaw looks like um because that's obviously a big wild card like if javon if for, for the niners to have a defense close to what it was in 2019 javon kinlaw needs to have a good season
1: Yeah, he doesn't need to be a pro bowler, but he needs to be he needs to play 17 games and be effective.
3: Yeah, he needs he needs to have a good season because teams are going to double Nick Bosa teams and then focus other. You know, like Eric Armstead is going to be the second second guy in the hierarchy for defensive or offensive lines to focus against. So, like, if you're playing on the other side of the line, whether you're Javon Kinlaw or Samson Nebuchadnezzar, like you probably need to have good seasons for the defense to be elite. Um, and I think like, I think those possibilities exist, but we need to see it from Kinlaw because, you know, we haven't seen it over a full healthy season just yet.
1: Yeah, definitely. A lot of flashes in his rookie year, but he's got to now take that, take that next step for sure. And I think when we talk about this defense being elite and being one of the best in the league, it, it, that, that is under the assumption that Javon Kinlaw is going to be on the field and playing well at least it is for me
3: yeah yeah i mean the the javon kinlaw is like like the pass rush could be one of the best like i don't know top eight in the league top 10 mm-hmm. just in pure sacks because you know nick Bosa is going to get if he's healthy 15 to 18 or whatever eric armstead could have 12 you know if samson abu had six like that would be fine but like if kinlaw's just disruptive enough to even push the pocket and just help create favorable matchups or like maximize his matchups when those other guys are getting doubled you know like that that's ultimately what lifts the ceiling on this pass rush in my opinion
1: i agree do you have anything else from camp today how how popping were the pads not super popping i didn't think just like mid-level popping.
3: One thing someone did say to me, it was like, it was a pretty sluggish practice because like everybody's still kind of getting used to pads,
1: mm. which, you know, makes. And it, sense. Was raining. it was raining. Yeah, it
3: was like sprinkling when we got out there and then it was just kind of like muggy and like humid. It felt like a Midwest day.
1: Weird vibes in the Bay today, for sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. This whole rain thing just doesn't really track a whole lot, but Mm-mm. I'll take
1: it same
3: i don't know if i've ever seen a training camp practice in the rain actually now that i think about it other than today's
1: yeah rain rain in the bay area in late june early august is not or late july early august is typically not a thing
3: yeah not not much of a thing for most of the year
1: totally (laughs) (laughs) when Um, are you going back down there next to be
3: determined tbd Um, tbd i know i'll be back there next sunday um but i'm not sure if i'll go down again in the meantime but um dwight clark day yeah dwight clark day i'll be there for that um ears are always to the ground though you know this
1: oh dude his (laughs) ears stay to the street (laughs) hey how about how about sam and andy the light years guys just big timing us on twitter that's fine. I
3: mean, when you have a podcast as popular as theirs, that I'm sure did Buku numbers this season and during the playoffs, I'm sure they kind of turn their nose up at.
1: I unsubscribed. At everybody else, you unsubscribed. I'm salty. Are you
3: creating a beef right now? <laughs> no. You know, if no. Light Years has goons, man. I don't know if we have goons. Uh, Years. We
1: cool. do. We definitely don't. We have. We have. <laughs> not to disparage our goons, but their their goons are built different.
3: I mean, they just have goons in mass, right? Yeah. Like I've, I've been on those, I've been on those green rooms, like post post playoff games and there are like hundreds and hundreds, like 800 people in there.
1: It's crazy. Yeah.
3: So no, good for them. I mean, you know, look, we can only, I can only control what we can control, man. We can't control who's listening to podcasts, who's making sure they're up on their subscriptions. Um, You know, like most people know, if there's big news, we're gonna drop a pod, and then they'll refresh the feed, and then they'll check it. Not everybody (laughs) knows
1: that, and that's Andy certainly doesn't.
3: Andy certainly doesn't. Like, but you know, maybe he does now. And he did give us a retweet. Like we, he did. He did throw the link on his TL. So I have no ill will.
1: I'm not. I mean, I don't either for now. I I respect your saltiness about it. I'm just making
3: mental notes. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 forgive, but you don't forget, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly <laughs> right. No,
3: and at Blue Wire, we're all one family, and and we all should support each other. And yeah, it maybe it is a little disappointing when someone when someone says, "Wow, I can't believe there isn't a podcast up about D- a Debo Samuel extension yet," when clearly there was.
1: Yeah, right here on this feed.
3: Right here on this feed. If you haven't heard it, uh, Nick Wagner rejoined the podcast again and we broke down Debo Samuel's contract extension. He was out there today, like I said. I think he caught two passes from Nate Sudfeld. Um, Nick? No, oh, well. Debo Samuel. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Nick could do it. Oh, he definitely um, could. Nick's got some juice. But, um, yeah, you can go go listen to that one. I don't have much to add. I know, like, there's a lot you know, the structures out and like the incentives are in and there's some money that he can make from like running. I think it's fun, the coverage of str- like contract structures. Like we're all really interested in it as it happens. And then like a week goes by and it's like, oh yeah, who cares? Right.
1: <laughs> like, right. It's just, it's fascinating to look at. And then it's just not going to matter.
3: And then it goes away. And, you know, point- it's like we're never, we're not going to be here next year or like next March. Be like, God, I don't know if the 49ers can afford to re-sign this person because Devo Samuel hit his $600,000 incentives. Right. You know, like, it's just, it's fun to see, like, but ultimately it really only impacts the team and Debo Samuel. Like, it, I'm
1: I'm excited for the race to tweet when he hits an incentive. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right.
1: It's his fourth touchdown. He just made
3: $150,000. Right. Like, I think that, I think, I certainly think there's value to some of the, Structure stuff and like for those who don't know, like just the bit, the bit on structure is my favorite. It's it's just my favorite bit. Like for people, the amount of people, the,
1: league, the amount of people just aghast that we did an emergency pod without knowing the structure was great. <laughs> it was really good.
3: Yeah, it's just funny. Like, of course, the structure matters. Like that's we. It's the- <laughs> it, it, ever since Twitter has existed, NFL contracts have come out. And then smart people who cover the NFL say, well, wait for the structure. It's like, yeah, no kidding. We get it at this point.
1: Right. We know. And, we know that.
3: <laughs> and then every time somebody signs a new contract, there are always people still tweeting. We got to wait for the structure. And it just kills me I don't me have, every have time. any thoughts yet.
1: <laughs> go, go to hell. <laughs> it's three years, 73 and a half mil, 58 one guaranteed. What do you think? Yeah, well, I gotta see how
3: much is fully guaranteed. Okay, right. You got to know when the roster bonuses kick in. I gotta see how much is fully in. this ratio. Yeah, <laughs> you got to. You gotta, yeah. So if Debo Samuel gets a certain amount of carries, which or a certain amount of rushing yardage, which was actually less than what he had last year, then he gets 600k or something. Yeah, it's 1.3 million over the three over the four years of the deal, essentially. Right. So it's like. Great. (laughs) Cool, man. But I guess the big the upshot here is that Kyle Shanahan is still gonna call running plays for Debo.
1: The Kyle Shanahan spoke Monday morning and it was really funny the way he was answering questions about Debo's usage because he's not gonna be like, Yeah, our plan is to use him this many times and that because A, he doesn't know and B, he's just not gonna divulge that information. That would be insane. Yeah, 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 but hey, it's here's still a, here's fair our, to ask. Here's our specific No, totally. The the question has to be asked. But his the way he went about answering it because he didn't go I'm not going to talk about that. He was like, yeah, we will or we won't depending on the opponent and the down and distance and the, and just gave a full explanation of like uh, sort of what you know about game planning.
3: Yeah. but what he, I mean, what he sort of hinted at but hasn't said directly is that like the running back injuries last year were really the biggest reason why Debo Samuel was utilized so much in the running game. So, like, you keep your running backs healthy. Oh, Trey Sermon had a good run today early in team drills. Hey, shout out to Trey Sermon. Just a one cut and like hit the hole, got like 10 or 12 yards out of it inside run.
1: Running back would be really interesting.
3: It was an outside zone run, I believe, but he cut it inside and like decisively. Right. And that's notable. It stood out to me because the knock on Trey Sermon had been like, maybe he did not do that. Yeah. Maybe he tiptoes too much. Maybe tries to kick it outside too much. Sort of the Carlos Hyde syndrome. Um, but, you know, like decisive Trey Sermon is going to be the Trey Sermon that makes a team. So we'll see if he, he continues sure doing that. Indecisive Trey Sermon is not going to make the team. Decisive Trey Sermon, reasonable, strong team. chance
1: to make the team. Yeah. yeah. I also noticed you. You said Carlos Hyde. There is it just something in the water at Ohio State that running backs can't be decisive.
3: Yeah, I've never been any good running backs to come out of Ohio State. No. It's it's a school known for just indecisive running backs
1: for sure. <laughs> a widely known <laughs> <laughs> All right let's get out of here yeah subscribe rate review if you have not tell all your friends We're gonna have a lot of content coming training camp preseason regular season Post-season? Maybe. Maybe.
2: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium